The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, join Sheila Walsh as she shares her journey through a dark time in her life and the hope she found in the Word of God. So I went from literally being the co-host of the 700 Club in the morning, and by that evening, I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital. But you know what I've discovered about the relentless mercy and love of God? Sometimes He'll take you to a prison to set you free. I'm Sheila Walsh. Welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. You know, I grew up on the west coast of Scotland. If you've ever been to Scotland, one of the first things you notice as your plane's beginning to descend, either in Glasgow or in Edinburgh, is all around you just see field after field of these beautiful, very white sheep. So white because it's always raining. Well, one of the things I loved about growing up in that community was I loved when the spring lambs were born. There's something so beautiful about watching these little baby lambs be born. Initially, they're so fragile, but within moments, um, they're bouncing across the field. But something happens in that community, and shepherds have not been able to work out why, or have they been able to change it. And it's not just in Scotland. You can do a little research. It happens all around the world. Every now and then, a mother will give birth to a lamb and immediately reject it. Now, the shepherd can try to move that lamb back beside the mother, but the mother will simply kick the lamb away. And if the shepherd doesn't intervene, then that little lamb will die, not of hunger, but actually of a broken spirit. So what the shepherd will do, they're called bummer lambs, called just little bummer lambs. What the shepherd will do is he will take that lamb into his home and he'll care for it. You know, he'll keep it warm by the fire and feed it with a bottle. And at some point during each day, he'll hold that little one close to his heart so that the lamb can hear a heartbeat. Now, once the lamb is strong and able to kind of stand at its own feet, the shepherd will reintroduce the lamb to the flock. But this is a part that I loved watching as a child. In the morning, the shepherd will come out and stand at the edge of the field and he'll call out, sheep, sheep, sheep. And the very first ones to run to him are the bummer lambs because they know his voice. I want to tell you a story about how that really became very real to me. Two of my favorite verses in the book of Romans. Um, I, I love the book of Romans, chapter 8 in particular. You know, you can't get much better than beginning with no condemnation and ending with no separation. That's a pretty great deal. But these two verses in particular, Romans 8, 38 and 39, say this. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I've known that verse since I was just a little girl. But I want to tell you today how God moved me from knowing the words to understanding the profound truth. 
have you ever said yes to something just because you're in a good mood? You know, somebody asks you to do something, you're like, yeah, sure. And then later you think, why on earth did I say yes to that? Well, that's what happened to me. I had never been a speaker in my life. I worked in television, I, worked, I was a musician, but before I ever stepped on the platform at Women of Faith, which I was part of the team there for 20 years, I'd never spoken in public before, apart from one time when a friend of mine talked me into it. I was a student at Fuller Seminary, and Marlene called one day and she said, Sheila, what are you doing on Saturday? And I said, nothing, do you want to do something? And she said, no, actually, I want you to do something for me. And I said, yeah, sure, if I can. And she said, would you drive to Palm Springs? And would you speak to a group of women in a country club there? And I said, no. And she said, I really need you to. And I said, Marlene, it's not that I'm not willing to help you. I don't know how to do that. And I said, anyway, think about it. You know almost every woman who is a speaker in this nation. Ask one of them. And this is what Marlene said. Now remember, this is my best friend. She said, I've asked them all, you're the bottom of the barrel. So I said I would go. Well, I woke up on that um, Saturday morning thinking, why on earth did I say I would do this? Most of my clothes were jeans and t-shirts. I'm a student, but I had this one Sunday outfit. So I put it on and I'm driving the two hours from where I lived, Palm Springs. And I felt obliged to apologize to the Lord on the way there, because I was pretty convinced he wouldn't be speaking to me on the way back. So I basically just said, Lord, I have no idea what I'm gonna do there. I have no idea what I'm gonna say. Well, I arrived and it was worse than I thought. I mean, it was just beautiful country club, perfectly manicured lawns. And they showed me in and took me to the top table. Now, a thousand women sitting around these lovely tables with crystal and china, all in their little beautiful Chanel suits and perfect makeup. And they sat me beside the most stunningly beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. You know, 5'10", size of maybe size half, I don't know. But when I got up to speak, I literally stepped to the podium and prayed one of those, Lord, what do I do? Prayers. And in my spirit, I heard my father say, Sheila, just tell the truth. I said, okay. So I said, good afternoon, good afternoon, ladies. Uh, my name is Sheila Walsh, and seven weeks ago, I was released from a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, that'll quieten a crowd quickly. And I just basically told them my story. I told them what it's like to grow up in a Christian home in Scotland, which is very rare, less than 2% of our population even go to church. So to grow up in a home with a mom and dad who didn't just go to church, but who really really loved Jesus, was a gift. But when I was five years old, my father had a massive brain injury, and he went from being this loving, wonderful dad to this very confused, angry, and ultimately violent stranger. And the last day that I ever saw my father alive was turning in time to see him about to bring his cane down on my skull. And I don't know whether I pulled it from him or whether I pushed him, but all I remember is he hit the ground hard and just lay there roaring like an animal. Well, my mom had been in the kitchen and when she heard what was happening, she came in and she got my brother and sister and I and she locked us in a room while she dialed 911. Now we live in a small town, it was a small fishing town. I don't think it would have been more than five minutes before help arrived, but it felt like an eternity. And eventually it took four men to carry my father out of the house that day. He was 34 years old.
and he was taken to what was called Ayrshire Lunatic Asylum. Horrible place. Because he had become violent, he was placed in the maximum security ward. And all the other men in there were men in their 70s and 80s who had completely lost touch with reality. And so my mum asked, would it be possible to move Frank to a unit with some younger men? Well, they did, but it was a less secure unit. And that very first night, my father escaped. And they searched for him all through the night. And eventually they found him in the morning. He had drowned himself in the river and he was caught in the salmon nets. In those days in Scotland, you didn't take children to funerals or to a graveside. All I knew was that my mum came home in a black dress with a black hat on and took every picture of my father off the walls and off the tables. And she placed them carefully in a little suitcase, which she locked and pushed under her bed. And we never mentioned them again. I think we know so much more nowadays about how to help children process grief. I think she thought if Sheila wants to talk, she'll talk. She had no way of knowing the conversation that was going on inside my head because there was no one left on this earth who could answer the one question I needed an answer to. And that was what did my dad see in me that made him hate me so much in the end? Children, if you have kids, you'll know this. Children are the best collectors of information. They miss nothing, but they're the poorest interpreters of that information. I grew up with what I call a profound sense of shame. Here's how I differentiate between shame and guilt. I think guilt tells me I've done something wrong. But shame? Shame tells you you are something wrong. And what do you do with that? You find a place to hide. You find some kind of mask to make it possible to go on. Sometimes people will use drugs or alcohol. Sometimes people will use medication or, or even spending money. They think if I look better on the outside, I might feel better on the inside. I found the perfect place to hide. Christian ministry. I mean, think about it. I mean, who's gonna come up to me and say, put that Bible down or we're gonna have an intervention? Not likely. But God's the only one who knows whether we're serving out of pain or passion for him. So I went to seminary. I eventually came to America. And I ended up as the co-host of the 700 Club with Dr. Pat Robertson. Here's the truth. Inside, I was still the same scared little girl who wouldn't let anybody get close to her in case you saw what my dad saw. Do you know it's possible to be very well known and profoundly lonely? That's the amazing thing about the mercy of God. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, not just survival, not just getting through one more day. I've come to give you life. But sometimes his rescue plan is something we would never sign up for. At almost the same age as my dad, I'm interviewing a guest one day and I ask my first question and they don't answer the question. In fact, they turn the tables and say, you know, Sheila, you sit here every day asking us how we're doing. How are you doing? And she meant it kindly but I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have time to pull up that wall. And I did something I hadn't done in years. I started to cry and I couldn't stop. The TV guys, the camera guys were embarrassed. The studio audience was embarrassed. Eventually they threw to a commercial break and I walked off the set and I locked myself in my dressing room. And as far as I was concerned, my life was over. If you've spent your whole life trying to prove to people you've got it all together and you end up in a place that says you've definitely fallen apart, what do you do? So I called a friend of mine, a guy called Dr. Henry Cloud, 
And I said, Henry, I think I'm losing my mind. And he said, no, you're not, but you need some help and you need it quickly. So I went from literally being the co-host of the 700 Club in the morning, and by that evening, I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital. Do you know what I've discovered about the relentless mercy and love of God? Sometimes he'll take you to a prison to set you free. I remember the first day the psychiatrist asked me my name, and I thought, oh, this is a trick question. I remember my name. So I said, Sheila Walsh. And he said, no, no, Sheila. I didn't, I know your name. I said, who are you? And I said, I'm the co-host of the 700 Club. He said, no, I didn't ask you what you do. I asked, who are you? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, I know that, and that's why you're here. And honestly, that began, began one of the most profound journeys of my life, to discover that my worth is not based on anything I bring to the table. It's based on God's love for me. I remember after I'd been there three weeks, I was given a pass and they said, you can go to a movie or you can go to a mall. You know, we'll send a young nurse with you. And I said, no, I'd just like to go to church. I don't care which denomination. If it's a Bible-believing church, I'll go there. I remember I sat in the very back row and I felt so lost. But the preacher, I don't remember his whole sermon, but at the end he said, some of you in here feel as if you're dead inside. You can almost hear them begin to heat the ashes on top of your casket. And he said, but I want you to know something. Jesus is here. And you don't even have to get yourself out of that hole. You just have to call on his name and he will reach in and grab hold of you and pull you free. I had no idea what the protocol of that church was, but I ran to the front and I lay face down in front of the cross. And what kept coming back to me were the words of a hymn my grandmother used to sing to me when I was just a little girl. The hymn is wrought of ages for these two lines. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And I finally got it. I am not the good news. Jesus is. You know, I find the story of the bummer lamb very applicable. You know, it's interesting when the shepherd goes out in the field in the morning and he calls, sheep, 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 the bummer lambs run to him because they know his voice. Does the shepherd love the bummer lambs more? No. They just actually dare to believe it. I will be a bummer lamb until the day I say, see Jesus face to face. But it's not the bad news. It's the good news. Do you remember what Jesus said? We find it in John's gospel, John chapter 10. It's how he identifies himself. Here's what he says. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what kind of mask you've had to hide behind, but let me tell you this one thing. I finished my story that day at Palm Springs, and I finally had the courage to actually look at one or two of these beautiful, perfect people. And I saw tears flowing through perfect makeup. And I thought, I guess you can't Botox pain. 
And the interesting thing was, um, I said at the very end, you know, I'm not in a hurry. Uh, if anybody wants to talk, I'll be here. The very first person to come up to me was the beautiful blonde that I was sitting beside. And she took off her gold cuffs and showed me where she had slit her wrists. And I thought, you know, some of our masks just cost more, but they're serving the same purpose. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you feel you have to hide. I don't know what you're using to hide behind, but I want you to know that God loves you exactly as you are right now. Sometimes you're tempted to think, well, you know, I used to love the Lord. I used to be very involved in church, but you know, there's some things in my life that are not good. And once I get my act cleaned up, then I'll be right back. No, don't do that. Come as you are. Let God clean you up. You don't have to clean your own act up. You're loved just the way you are. I would never have signed up for any kind of journey through mental illness. But honestly, today, I'm grateful. I'll tell you why, because it means I can look into the eyes of somebody else who is suffering and say, me too. Don't be ashamed of your story. Don't hide who you are. Don't wait till you get it all together. Recognize the beauty of being a bummer lamb. Does God love his bummer lambs like me more than he loves everybody else? Nope. We just actually dare to believe it. When you come clean, when you're transparent, and at that moment when you feel the most broken you've ever felt, when you, you feel the smile of fa the Father on you, it's the best thing on earth. His love for us is not based on what we got right. It's based on his son Jesus, who has made every single one of us right. And that's why for the rest of my life, I'm committed to three things, to telling others the good news about Jesus, to help build my brothers and sisters up in the faith, and to care for the poor. See, that's the thing, when you've been ransomed, when you've been taken in by the shepherd and held close enough to hear his heartbeat, you want that for every single person in the world. That's why it's such a privilege to work here at Life Today because not only do we get to share our stories and interview guests and things with you, we get to take you places that you've never been and show you what a difference you can make in Jesus' name. Watch this. Serafina has come, as she often does, to the church to seek God in her time of trouble. As hard as it may be, she continues to hold on to her faith that a miracle will come. Nabanu 
While Serafina is full of brokenness, she remains full of faith. Her prayers lifted up could be answered today. Very moving that Serafina comes to the house of the Lord with her need. I think we should meet her there. Can you imagine losing your husband, losing a child simply because there is no clean water? I know what those rivers are like. I've watched mothers getting buckets of water with their children, and the animals are in the water as well. I mean, the, the water is filthy. It's not just filthy, it's disease-ridden. But it's their only choice. It's all they have. We have asked, we really asked God for this year, will you tell us what you want us to accomplish here at Life Today? And we've been given this goal of to, to, to do 188 water wells, to drill those in Africa. And we really ask you, will you join us to do that? I mean, it's so doable. $48 will give clean water to 10 people. 144 clean water to 30 people. But do you know that for 4,800, and some of you can do that, I know some of you can't, but 4,800 will actually drill a whole well. And the amazing thing about the technology of these wells now is that it will give water for 70 years. That's why we call it water for life, because for the whole life of the village, for a whole extent of 70 years, there will be clean water available. I watched that beautiful sister sitting there in church, asking God, reminding God that he is a God who has promised to take care of the widow and to take care of the orphan. And I say to you and me, let's be an answer to her prayer. Let's say right now, yes, we heard you and we're gonna make sure that one of these 188 wells is going in your village so that you don't have to go to one more funeral service simply because there wasn't enough water. We can do this, friends. This is not hard, it's very doable. So I ask you now, would you go to your phones? Would you give the best gift you possibly can? Some of you can do $144, but some of you actually could do a whole well. Wouldn't that be amazing? Knowing that there's a well out there that you've provided water for a whole village? Whatever you can do, 
please go to your phones, make the best gift possible, or go online to lifetoday.org. And, and if you're sending in a check, will you just call us and let us know, hey, we're doing this, so that we are able to, to get back to our partners there and say, listen, help is on the way, and it's coming to your village, and it's coming soon. And I cannot wait to go over there and see the difference it's made. And I promise you we'll bring it all back and we'll let you know. But we need you to stand with us now and say, yes, we will be the answer to Serafina's prayers in Jesus' name. Thank you. Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. Our teams have recently located remote villages in Southern Africa where children are dying from contaminated, disease-ridden water. The situation is desperate. They need clean, disease-free water immediately. With your gift today, you can help drill 188 water wells in remote villages across seven African nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you Sheila Walsh's devotional, Five Minutes with Jesus, a fresh infusion of joy to help you find perspective in the midst of daily life and experience a deeper connection with God. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive our No Greater Name Canvas, a beautiful artistic expression of our Savior's name and a daily reminder of His presence in your life. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful new hand-painted Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, these are beautiful children, beautiful families that have come here to contaminated water sources where people are, are dying of diseases from contaminated water. But we need every person watching to do your part in helping provide families like this and children like this water sources, non-contaminated water, clean water. And every time we do it, we inspire others to join us. If you would just help drill one well, maybe you could drill a well or join one or two other people to drill one. So would you be that source of inspiration and help by making the best gift you can today? With any gift at all, we're gonna send you my new book. It's called Five Minutes with Jesus, A Fresh Infusion of Joy. Just a few moments each day to kind of get your life off on the right direction. And also for $1,200 or more, we will send you this beautiful, determined eagle. A reminder that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. We want to see that happen all across Africa this year. We want to see young children grow up strong, families grow up strong, and we can do it together. So please join with us. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you for caring. Thank you for loving. And we'll look forward to seeing you again next time on Wednesdays in the Word. God bless you.
In his new book, Living Amazed, James Robison shares how divine encounters can change your life. Living Amazed, coming soon to online and retail bookstores. You know what, I'm not the most gifted kid on earth. Like, I'm not, but yet, my God can do anything with anybody. Jenny Allen, next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.